thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your hosts, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I am here with Daniel. Hello. (laughs) And I'm Eduardo. And hey, man, it's nice to see you today and really excited to break down this card in the Major Arcana uh, and that card being the lovers. You know, I know we're bouncing between the astrological wheel and now into the Tarot and we're going to continue these conversations. But, you know, there's always so much to unfold and this card being very specific to so much information, you know, the, we, we talked about this in our debriefing. There's, there's a lot to cover here because this card is very, very special. And, um, I know there's a lot of things you want to talk about in regards to what came before this card and where this card is going to be taking us, um, today. Uh, so let's cover a little bit about what we've already have been speaking about. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and then we'll move into, you know, just breaking down the card by its, its significance to its number. It's, you know, um, it's uh, different identities that it's had in, in the regards to the Pamela Smith and then the Rider Wade card and how people have depicted this, you know, um, this image of, of what we're seeing here, because there are two different ways to look at this card that I know people have, um, you know, mentioned before and let's, let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up that point before we even jump into its placement. I love how you brought up the point about the evolution of this card that we see throughout the tarot decks and how with the Rider Waite Smith deck, we do, we kind of have a variation that kind of shows some change. And what that's going to really represent is the personal stereotype that's actually established in this card. It's actually the human experience. And we, we have this choice with this card. And so with choice through the evolution of consciousness, how we approach that choice is going to evolve. And just like one-on-one relationships and companionships and like love marriages have kind of evolved, we're going to see that kind of through the cards. You know, thinking even about, you know, traveling back into the past, love was not always the basis of what would form the relationship of the family because there was this need to procreate So you had enough hands to survive the winter, Mm -hmm. right? So there was kind of these like aspects about it. And as well, you know, if you're kind of limited to your village, well, it's like, you're going to just kind of connect with the other person in that village, right? Like it's, it's more of this like convenient. And it was even organized at some point of how this was going to happen. Well, we've gone through that evolution. Like when Dante wrote about love in the first sight and Dante's Inferno, that was like the awakening of this idea that you can fall in love in this romantic sense. So as we've gone through this evolution of consciousness and we're working our way from wholeness and kind of differentiating into the parts, we have to learn new experiences with love. And that's why we're going to more of this like interpersonal kind of connection um, because it's all taking us down this, this unique path. And so just how we evolve in our, relationship with personal love is is also going through that process we see it actually in the formulation of these cards as it goes through its different identities but they're all very important um but um it doesn't change like all the other cards we we see a lot of different um components that can this card can kind of express and so really what we're kind of talking about here is this move from almost archetype to stereotype and because the first you know, if we think about the first five cards, or we can think about the first six cards, right? With the fool being the zero, mm-hmm. the fool is potential. It's the newborn baby. It's you know, it's it can do anything. It's not anything, but it can be anything, right? It's that childlike Peter Pan essence, and then we go from there to the magician, which is more about that masculine inner consciousness linear brain which creates the magician this is this is the archetype of the sun 
the boy child of the left side of the brain, right? Then we go to the high priestess. We meet the daughter that's in all of us, the intuition, the mystical approach, right? And so we meet the son, the daughter, the baby, and then we go to the next stage and we're going to meet the empress, which is the external expression of the female, which Mm -hmm. is going to represent the mother, nurturing, taking care of. Then we make our way to the emperor, which is going to represent that father energy and this like outward expression of it. And then we got to the, the the high priest and we kind of meet the inner understanding of the father energy. And so what we're having here now with the lover's card is we're transitioning to this aspect of now we're leaving the archetypal realm to move into more of the personal relationship and the dance with life. And love is going to be one of the first things that we kind of have the opportunity to choose. You know, you choose who you love. And this card kind of represents choice very much in that essence. And it goes much deeper than that, but it kind of allows for the the human free will experience to come out because with the archetypes, they're always like evolving in the lessons that they're teaching us, but it's more of an incorporation with those. And we actually like, blend into those archetypes. Well, now we're starting to see the journey through our own lens kind of moving outwards. That's great. One thing I wanted to sort of like veer us off a little bit is what's interesting of when this card shows up, you talk about the previous five cards and what they actually do for the the human experience. Anyways, let's go back to the meanings between this and and the, because I know that we want to talk about the numbers and we talk about the completion of the archetypes. Does that make sense what I'm saying about the individual um, going on their journey as a singular being and then finding themselves to this part of the road. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because as we go through this process of individuation, we we lose that interconnectedness to the wholeness. And so we find it through relationships and experiences right. with other people and other things to kind of regain that completeness that we internally desire. And that's what's going to be so interesting about this because you know, you brought up a really great point of the greatest way to make yourself a suitor for a potential partner or any kind of pro- productive relationship. Yes. You know, when we're thinking about the lovers, we're thinking about relationships and the communication that happens between relationships. And so this is beyond just the romantic sense. Um, love is just the attractive force of the universe. And so like, you know, always keeping that in mind when we think about this lovers, it's, it's just the attraction between two entities. And so what we're going to kind of, see with this um with this kind of this lover's card and this this unique kind of understanding of this relationship is it is going to be an internal process to kind of find complete the self so we can start vibrating at a level so we can attract that quality those quality relationships into our life you know because we work at this like level of vibration and so what we attract into our life is what resonates with that vibration. And so as we go through this this lover's card and we learn to understand the magnitude of our choices and what it does to the development of our character and how it directs us down certain timelines and collapses certain timelines, we can start to approach through our choices this inner completeness, this inner love, um, so we can attract these greater experiences into our life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was going to say, and you can tell when people have actually done that, you know, I, I never really agreed with this, with the statement of misery loves company, but there is something about when two people have gone through trials and tribulations and, and it's on their face, it's weathered into a way that has a specific, um, timeline that you see when they came and went through, um, you know, a dark period. But when you see two individuals who have both done that, there's something that is beautifully created when they are, um, vibrating off of that experience that they had in the past and now they have evolved together and then you most people i think want to compare themselves to something like that they want to say oh how can i find my person like that it's like you know they each found their own way through uh the bottom and made them and found themselves at the top uh of their of their experiences to where they could actually vibrate on that energy so you can't go seeking exactly what those people have you know they found each other through that you know that magnetic uh, feel that you're talking about that's created between the two uh, on their own journeys. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, you, know, you, 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 like you brought this up and I want to say this, you said this to me once, but it was, uh, I forget who we were looking or two we're talking to someone we knew in our life. And you're like, it's interesting how, as time has evolved with these two, uh, in this case, it was a female and a male couple. And you're like, they're looking more and more alike. And that's very interesting to the, you know, um, identity to this card, you know, when they talk about the mythological process between like what Zeus had in mind for taking the power away from humans and dividing them up into two sides of male and female when they used to be an androgynous like being. And so sometimes I feel like when you see two characters that they start to look alike, they're vibrating off one single energy that is kind of making them look like they have mixed together, even though they are two different individuals uh, or people of different lives, um, physically speaking, but you can kind of see that when they're in in unison, what they've kind of created. So there's a lot of ways that we could interpret this card. There's obviously both the Rider Waite and then there's the Pamela Smith card that sort of allude to the two individuals that are in the card and the romantic idea of what love represents. But there's so much more to that, right? There's so much more to how this is actually broken down with this symbolism, not only in the card, but the idea of the levels of consciousness that actually need to come together in order to create a more uh, internal interpretation of what this union uh, with the divinity kind of connects us to. And I think that's what really draws me into this card, the idea of this card, is that what that union really is and how, um, you know, it's, it's evolved up to this point, as you mentioned earlier, but I think we should just start with sort of really unfolding that, the meaning of the lover's card before we just sort of go down a path of the idea of the romantic relationship and the representation of either modern day love or even love from the past. As you mentioned before, that's evolved um, for so many years as to what that really means. And so we can just kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, even if you're a practitioner of tarot and you're doing readings, you're always initially instructed that the lover's card is not really a precursor to like romance coming into the life. Mm. It's really like, that's going to be something that gets represented with like the two of cups. And that's more of like romantic possibility of like a romantic timeline. The lover's card really is a card about separation. It's it's kind of the alchemical process of separation. Um, this is not the spiritual conception of the alchemical wedding, of like the blending of the two parts of ourselves. This is more of the awareness of the two parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. The alchemical wedding is going to come further down this journey with the world card. And that's when we actually blend these two unique conscious aspects of ourselves, which is the masculine and the feminine. But in the lover's card, we become aware of this separated component of ourselves. We become aware of the division. This is kind of like the divine paradox, where, you know, in the first, like we were speaking about those archetypal experiences of the first, really the truly the first six cards, this is more of the representation of the two within me. Mm -hmm. And this is why that card, and we'll talk about it later, is represented by Gemini, which really looks at the twins within. Right. And the component of the act of consciousness and the intuition and the dance between them. So this is also looking at, you know, because in the first the first part of the journey of the fool, we start to learn these alchemical archetypal principles that are presented to us. But the process of individuation is not just the learning of these. It's also the blending and the dance of these archetypal principles with the personality. Mm-hmm. And really kind of making those active choice, like active choices to initiate that dance with these bigger principles. And so this is just the process when we really kind of start to identify and become aware of the paradox of this five sense reality. You know, because one thing that we really have to understand is is duality. You know, this this card really kind of teaches us that like you have to be cold to know the polar aspect of warmth. You know, you have to know opposites in this realm, and that's that's something that we're constantly being presented with, and that's something that this card is really illustrating is the is the component of separation mm-hmm. that's kind of being um, unfolded within us, right. you know, and learning those various parts so we can actually start to move that process of blending them together. And so it's, it's this like unique kind of thing because, you know, 
there is that realization that we all have to come to of the fracturing of conscious with the fall into form. That was part of this process. You know, part of the the fall of man and woman into this is the component that our brain is broken up into two hemispheres. And we know that the universe is this representation of wholeness and unity, but it's going to be through the awareness of these two parts of us and the blending that we make the proper choices to get connected and to illuminate that wholeness that is in, like internally a part of us. But it's going to be through these choices that we make. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing I want to talk about, if we if we may, because there's a few things that you mentioned before we started recording, is the in the image, and this is for the Rider weight card, you have the male and you have the female. So I want to start with the two individuals that are, you know, not just represented here, but I think this is where there's sort of a misconception of, you know, where you said what's going to be coming down, you know, with the alchemical marriage later down the road. What's happening here is there's more of an acknowledgement between two individuals, you know, the male looking at the female and the female looking up at the divine uh, entity that is Raphael, you know, for, for not just a blessing or guidance, but sort of this understanding of what is actually happening here. You know, what, what am I facing? And, and, and the male stands in front of the, um, the tree of life, you know, with the flames. And then you have the female with the, um, tree of knowledge right mm-hmm. and with the serpent uh and so that that right there is more important like it'd be kind of interesting if it wasn't a male and a female standing there and it was just these two trees mm-hmm. that's kind of how, how i started seeing it when i first saw the card i was like okay this is very important here and that kind of alludes to what you said earlier about like this isn't really so much of what we're thinking in regards to a romantic relationship coming together but more of this acknowledgement of these different levels of consciousness and you know what we inspire to create from that understanding Mm -hmm. and awareness so let's kind of go there man yeah absolutely and this is unique because this is the first card where there is two individuals facing us Mm -hmm. so it's the awareness of the divine paradox of the split of our consciousness you know prior to this we've had single entities staring back at us because even in the high priest card there's three figures but only one is actually looking at us. Yeah. We actually have the backs of the, the backs. other two. And so again, you know, keeping that meditation that the tarot is the mirror of the soul. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're kind of going through this process, when we're tapping in and working with these cards for like the highest aspect, which would be meditation, try to match the gaze of the individuals that are looking back at you. Right. You know, when you're meditating on you know, Isis, and you're meditating on the high priestess, take that softness in your face, take that receiving energy. When you are meditating on the magician card, you know, kind of take that smirkness of the awareness of the magic that's within you. And this is going to kind of assist in the process. It helps with immersing one into the archetypal pattern that's presenting itself here. Mm -hmm. And so what we're kind of seeing is this component of the male, like you said, looking at the female, but the female is not looking back at the male. And this is going to be the representation of the active consciousness, which is masculine, and the feminine conscious, which right. is more receiving intuition. You know, that's going to be like creativity and those kind of components. And this is a great choice and awareness with the limits and the understanding that the universe is one step above logic and the need for the individual to actively understand this five sense reality, but to know that we're not going to connect with that universal life force by just analytical and logical thought. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, we spoke about this before. There's not enough chalkboard in the world and there's not enough chalk to write the equation of the universe. It's not going to be met in this like literal, logical fashion. Mm -hmm. And this is the downside of like exoteric, you know, more collective religions. And this is also the limits of like this new neuroscience approach and this materialistic approach, because we think we're going to be able to solve the universal process through an equation. And we're really going to start to see the limits of this because is the conscious mind a great tool to understand and observe this reality? 
Absolutely. Like we have to actively nurture our awareness and our capacity to focus. But there's limits to the conscious reality. You know, even when we look at the color spectrum, we know that there is vibrations of colors that we can't perceive. Yes. You know, there's decibels of vibration that we can't hear. So we already see the limits of this, you know, of this this body that we're in to be able to receive all the vibrations of the universe. And so what this kind of comes down to is something that we've addressed several times is the universal life force is a blending of electricity and magnetism. Well, that electric component of the, of the collective, what we would call the conscious and the father energy is too overwhelming for us to look directly into. And we can see this in reality with the idea of staring at the sun. If you stare at the sun at 12 o'clock noon, you literally, we become blinded. It's too much for us to take in. The only way that we can actually gaze and meditate on that universal electricity is by its reflection in the feminine component of our intuition. And this is represented by water and being able to, like, you can't stare directly at the sun, but you can stare at its reflection in water and you can kind of meditate on it. And this is also going to be the representation of the moon, right? You can meditate on the moon. You can get lost in a trance looking at the moon. This isn't something that's available with the, with the aspect of like gazing at the sun. And so the idea that we need a housing unit to be able to understand and to instill this universal life force energy that's operating. And it really kind of shows that the active consciousness must be turned inward to understand these more eternal principles of what this conscious experience is actually is. The masculine is going to teach us the motion of life, right. where the feminine is going to unfold the meaning of life. And again, it's the blending of the two. Not one is more important than the other. And that's going to be this unique kind of blending component that we see here with like that middle path and balance. But the idea that, you know, we take the, the mind is a, is a wonderful servant. It's a terrible master. We're seeing that in reality right now when the master, when that it gets that master role, Mm -hmm. there's a destructive component about that. You know, the heart is the ultimate guide, and that's what this feminine component of our consciousness is going to help with that illumination process. And again, it's a softer receiving energy rather than this like active, you know, forceful component of what we would see with the protruding force of the masculine. I love that, dude. You know, something that just came to mind from when I was reading things earlier that literally is just happening as you're speaking about this, this blend and this understanding of which... Um, which level of consciousness each of these two, um, you know, individuals represent. But, you know, with the male and the burning bush of the 12 flames reminds me of the 12 zodiacs, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously we know that. But when you're talking about what the female represents in this regard, it reminds me of everything we're breaking down with the tarot. So, it's so mm-hmm. interesting that we're doing this, like, blend of the two with the labor of Hercules coming to its end and still doing the tarot where you kind of see both of them need to be both understood in order to sort of not only raise our vibration, but kind of have a, um, a well-rounded understanding of how both are needed for you to sort of progress on, you know what I mean? It's like, you can't just study the wheel and say, Oh, well, I figured it all out without having this sort of more internal and, uh, emotional connection to what this all can do for you once you have a grasp on even just the surface of it all. And the Tarot has been doing that where I have to, uh, for me at least, have to kind of turn my mind away from the understanding of the Zodiac and and what we've already spoken about and move into the Tarot with more of this open heart that you're talking about, having that heart connection to mm-hmm. it. I'm like, okay, this is how it really feels and this is how it really is represented in order for me to move forward um, and create an action out of this understanding uh, within life. And I feel like that's what's a beautiful blend of the two. So, you know, you see the burning bush, you see the the tree of desire on the other side, but having an understanding of the potentiality of both uh, is obviously needed to make a combination for greatness, you know? Absolutely, man. And that's, and I love that you brought that up. And again, this is the symbolism of the two keys, 
the mm-hmm. golden key and the silver key. The golden key, and you can even see this in like, you know, Freemasonic symbolism, Rosicrucian symbolism, but those two keys represent the active and the passive intuitive component of this conscious experience. And the golden key is astrology. It's more linear. It's logical. You know, when you really start breaking down astrology, it gets calculated. You look at the minute angles and the in the coming together of squares, you know, the oppositions. It's like a it's an intense mathematical comp like um it's an intense mathematical it's an intense mathematical calculation when you get into it, where the silver key of the tarot is is much more of this like receptive, intuitive process. And you do, you need to blend both of them together. Mm-hmm. The greatest astrologer is going to get benefits by learning the tarot. And the greatest, you know, individual practitioner of the tarot is going to gain benefits by learning astrology. You know, it's the unification mm-hmm. of these subjects, not just, you know, focusing on one or the other. Right. And, you know, we, we've seen this in, in so many things, this, this desire of kind of connecting into that, to that middle path. And as we kind of go through this process, we really start to understand how we connect to that universal life force. And it's, it's an internal connection that kind of happens. And we have to go within to be able to understand the bigger components and even our own internal role and process within creation that has to be found through an inward journey. And we do kind of have to shift the gaze of the active consciousness inward. And we have to utilize the active consciousness to illuminate, you know, the shadow components of ourselves. We have to illuminate those dark aspects of our psyche and bring them into the light so we can further incorporate them and really start to illuminate this wholeness, which is our God-given birthright. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things in regards to the individuals that are, you know, depicted here in the Rider Waite card is their nudity expressing sort of this vulnerability between the two of them and this raw um, essence of of each of them. And, you know, and I, I know I briefly talked about the burning bush for the male and then, you know, the tree of wisdom with the female, but I do want to talk a little bit more about the burning bush. I, you mm-hmm. kind of mentioned this before we started recording. You're like, hey, let's really talk about the burning bush. Do you want to talk about that right now? You know, like, does that represent that that male aspect, but also like this vulnerable state that they're both standing in and, and the way that they're looking at one another. He looking at her, he's looking at her, she's looking at the archangel. Um, Raphael, I just want to kind of know a little bit more about before moving forward with the burning bush. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I think the, the nudity and the bareness of, of, you know, these representations that truly, you know, have a biblical connection to Adam and Eve is the idea of, you know, going through the process of us also purification Mm. and getting back to the, the root expression of this masculine and feminine energy within us. And that's actually going to be what that fire in the burning bush is going to represent. Now, the burning bush is is something that we will probably continue to explore because the burning bush is going to be a great representation of that cosmic father energy. And the tree of knowledge, which is behind the feminine, is going to be represented of the cosmic mother energy. Mm-hmm. And again, it's an interplay the universal life force is androgynous. It's not one or the other. It's a blending of the two. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're kind of blending to get reconnected to. But this universal life force, the burning bush, is represented not only the purification role that fire represents, but this is the fire that doesn't consume. Mm-hmm. This is your spirit energy. Now, in the five-sense reality, in this divine paradox, fire consumes its, its container. So if we contain fire through like a campfire together, mm-hmm. there's a sacrifice. That wood is going to kind of go through the process of decay, and it's going to eat the wood. This spirit fire of the cosmic father, it doesn't decay. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't actually, it illuminates the host. This is the spirit of life that is emanating in us. This is the emanating fire of life. The counter aspect of it, which is the tree of knowledge, is the receiving magnetic energy of this universal life force that is coming down to us. And so this spirit fire is also representation of the sun in our universe. The sun does not consume, it just generates energy. And so this fire is going to be not only the representation of spirit, but it's also going to be the representation of energy that's above the cube, wisdom and love. If I share wisdom to you, it doesn't subtract the wisdom that I have. If I give you love, it doesn't, you know, subtract the love that I have for myself. Mm-hmm. It's eternal. It it keeps burning. We can see this spirit energy with just the emanating life force in all of us. What happens when the spirit leaves the body? It starts to decay. Right. It's the universal life force. And so the spirit that is representing of the burning bush is the eternal fire of that God act of consciousness. And it burns and it's eternal and it brings life without sacrificing life. And it's only when it leaves that decay actually happens. You know, your body, you can like, you can even smell it in a body. Like when a body dies, there is not only an active awareness, like, you know, if you ever like have the process of like seeing a dead body, even if it's like an animal or something, you can usually tell from afar that life has left that object. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like something in it that's just like, there's this animating force and it truly kind of starts to smell. It like starts to decay. Right. Well, this is that universal life force. And this is that spirit energy of creation represents like almost like the meaning of life. And the animating life force that meaning brings. And so this also kind of touches into the idea of as, you know, collectively, as we've kind of moved to more of like a materialistic science identity in our cultures, and we've kind of lost the meaning of life with the focus of the emotion on life. Well, like our societies and our cultures and our customs are starting to decay. Like this external world is kind of getting stinky because that life force energy has left it. So it's going through this process of dissolving. Right. Um, and so this universal life force is is the fire that emanates. It's with what is within us. And it's the life force that moves through us. And the opposite end, which is the housing unit, represents the tree of knowledge, which is our kundalini, which is our chakra system, which right. is the electro housing unit so this universal life force energy can work through us. And the process that we're going to kind of go through is we're going to utilize that active consciousness to educate, understand the receiving component of this universal life force energy so we can better emanate this creative force that is working through us. And the responsibility that that takes, the, the lover's card is going to teach us that we, you know, you know, we have to learn responsibility and we actually kind of have to go through this process of maturity of how we actually receive this universal life force energy. You know, that's the dangers that we see. Like, you know, it's great to understand, you know, breathing exercises to raise your kundalini. But if you're not at the spiritual maturity and the capacity to be able to receive that energy, it can be destructive. It can be too much. You can burn yourself by traveling and flying too close to the sun. And we see this in mythological stories. Right. You know, we this is why spiritual development is more of a marathon. It's not a sprint. We have to take it step by step, and we really have to go through this process to become the true receiver of this universal life force energy. But this is why Moses had the connection with the burning bush and the burning bush that was not consumed by the fire. This is what the spiritual fire represents. It's the same spiritual fire that's operating within us. Right. And it's, it's you know, and what we do is we work and we go through this process of self-unfoldment so we can be a more conscious conductor of this energy and not only receive it, but then later share it and push it through us. Does that... Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different things just kind of turning in and around my, my mind right now with the differences between, you know, the male attributes and the female attributes that I know we can go on 
endlessly discussing about here um, between you and I. But it is true, though, that having this understanding. When, yeah, I think that's a great way to start that, man. Having this understanding of this conscious and unconscious, um, you know, breakdown is what will create eventually this cosmic uh, union that we're talking about here. Do you, does that make sense? So that's kind of what I'm picking up from from these two, um, you know, understanding between the female attributes and the male attributes, but more so when we talk about the tree of life and then the burning bush, you know, the reason and passion, but also the desires um, and how they, they need to sort of be a blend of the two. Um, and that's kind of what you're seeing here with the female, not looking at the male, but looking above, you know, to a higher consciousness of saying, you know, like before I move forward with this, you know, is there a, not necessarily just a blessing coming from the angel, but an understanding from, the cosmic father from above, you know? Absolutely. And that, you know, that universe connecting to that universal androgynous energy, you know, because again, the cosmic father is what's working through us, but the cosmic mother is the container, you know? So just to think about it as the burning bush is the spark of the soul Mm. and the tree of life is the nerve center through which the universal life force energy runs like electricity over a wire. So when you think about it, even like in the electricity of your house, the wire is not consumed. The electricity does not consume the wire. Rather, it purifies and renews the substance. Right. You know, like it's not when we see electricity running through the wire that the wire is getting like eaten away. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that process is. You know, again, that's when you take your electrical outlets, you are plugging it in to truly like in North America, if you see it, especially if there's a grounded unit in your electrical outlet, it's a face. Because you are plugging that element into the face of God. Right. And those electrons are making their way down. And so understanding, and again, this is why we're going to really explore the idea of like Taoism. But you are a spiritual electrician. You know, everything in the components of the trade systems will teach you so much about what is actually operating here. Right. And you are, you're this blending energy here. You know, truly, because we're all receivers of this universal life force energy, we are all actually, you know, feminine in the eyes of this universal life force because we're all receiving this energy. Mm -hmm. You know, that universal life force energy, that burning bush is that masculine energy that just spills all over the place. Well, it needs a container to pour that energy into, which is the structure, which is form. That's why the universal life force energy is the electricity behind everything. Mother nature is the container of that. And that's what actually gives us this expression. We need the container to be able to perceive that, you know, and we need to understand that components and the variety that comes from that universal mother energy um, that that's kind of presenting itself. And so thinking about it as a blending here of like the positive and the receiving force of this energy. And again, you know, we always have to illuminate this idea. We are not talking about like gender roles in society's modern day perspective. This is intuitive principles that are within you. You, We have to accept that there's a masculine component of consciousness and a feminine component of consciousness. Well, I wanted to say which one, you know, I know that the male would be the unconscious, right? And then um, the female, sorry, the, the male would be the conscious and the female would be the subconscious. Yes. Right. And then we want to make sure that we blend those two together. But I like that you're, you know, basically saying it goes further than just the gender roles that we're talking about here. Absolutely. And, you know, and we kind of look at that because, you know, especially when we kind of go through the alchemical process, it's, it's the blending of these energies together. And in the first four steps of alchemy, we're presented as like a hermaphrodite. And that's where we kind of really recognize these two energies. But ultimately, the goal is to become androgynous to where we don't even see the distinction. And it's that interplay and the dance of creation happens naturally within us. And, you know, it works and emanates us. And again, this is the component of the things that are above the cube. And we're going to kind of talk about the exploration of the cube. But there's eternal energies that do not need sacrifice in this realm. Mm. And like, that's what we were saying, the sharing of love and the sharing of wisdom, nothing gets sacrificed with it. And that's how we get connected to the eternal principles. You know, we were just talking about that conversation of Pisces. Well, in Pisces, you know, 
again, we learn what doesn't go back in the box of the game of Monopoly. It's these eternal principles. They're above the cycle of life and death. Mm -hmm. They're eternal. And that's what we're connecting to because what we need to do through this process is ultimately, you know, come to the true realization that there's no such thing as death and that eternal life force is eternal that's working within us and we're a part of that you know we're cut from the same cloth of the creator and a lot of this spiritual process and again we're we're separating its components here and we're trying to identify and analyze them in their separation but ultimately it's to move them back together and right. to see the simple process that is actually trying to illuminate ourselves here um, but through that we need to kind of take this like active approach yeah and you know i think that kind of leads us right into the archangel with Raphael because I like that everything you're saying in this union has this representation above the two individuals that is that androgynous energy that is not necessarily coming down for um, you know support but also for approval and I think it's the understanding of this is this is what it's meant to be as a union, as you two come together with this understanding. It's like, do you understand what this union is going to represent? And I think that's not, I think, but I should say, I know that, you know, in the 72 degrees of wisdom that we talk about here, uh, the triune mind, I, I, we've talked about this, we've talked about this multiple times on what this um, triplicity represents in, in the union of the three putting together the conscious subconscious and the superconscious but the female knowing intuitively very well to look up at the angel for this understanding of you okay. know i know what you represent you know what i represent does the connection in front of me also know that? see yeah absolutely <laughs> does it see yeah does you it know? see exactly which is so fascinating uh it's like probably my favorite of, of just kind of following the dotted line that's not there but you kind of understand what's happening so um but yeah man absolutely you know and this is again part of the one of the things that we we kind of speak about, like even when we're students of the esoteric and the occult, mm -hmm. there's this desire to learn like we were taught in school, that we have to like logically remember everything. Mm -hmm. And and some of the things that I talk about with individuals is they're like, man, I'm really trying to like study the Zodiac. I'm trying to study the Tarot, but you know, I'm making flashcards, but I, I forget some of these like correspondences and stuff and they like beat themselves up. But like what this card is showing you is part of the process of studying the esoteric and the occult is you create, by studying these symbols, mm -hmm. you create a housing unit right. that you deposit into the subconscious. And it's potential for this subconscious to fill in deeper inner realizations. And so you studying a zodiac sign yeah, you want to become actively aware of these of these components and the you know the correspondences there, but you're creating a container and a language so the subconscious can present to you inner realizations because your subconscious is connected to the collective. It's exactly. connected to the archetypal. Everything that's ever been thought, felt, and known in the whole span of humanity can be connected through the subconscious and it needs a language and it needs a housing unit to fill up. And so when you study the esoteric and the cult, yeah, you, you want to be actively aware of these things, but you're also setting up containers so this universal, universal life force can pour in more inner realizations and have these internal insights. And those are the downloads. Those are the aha moments. Um, and those is when you really start to connect to this. And that's when you really start to turn online. Because, you know, when you really start studying this, it's it's not like an external thing you learn. It's more of a re-remembering. Um, as it kind of works through you. And so the subconscious is going to tell us that component that's connected to the archetypal realm. You know, this is also going to give us awareness of the dreamscape. Totally. You know, you you don't know how special your dreams are until you start studying the symbolism and like start reflecting on them and analyzing them. Well, now you start seeing deeper patterns and a deeper representation and lesson is kind of being presented there. And so 
just something to take into mind as we go through this process. It's not just about like being able to like spurt out the facts of the esoteric and the occult. Remember that you're you're planting seeds with every time right. you you know listen to Manly P. Hall or read the secret teachings of ages. You're planting seeds for further harvesting. There's gonna be blossomings of insight and you might not even know you know, what the cause of that was. You know, you might be driving one day, two months down the road after studying the lover's card, and all of a sudden you get this huge realization on it. That's because you planted the seed. You put it into the womb of consciousness. You parried it into the void, right. and then that external expression is going to kind of happen and move. You shift your awareness to the burning bush to see the fire that doesn't consume, that's within you and within right. all life. I like what you just said. I just want to say something, though, with regards to choice, something that you talked about is that love in regards to it being a choice when you said about not being struck by lightning and how the universal, the OG uh, life force will always love you even if you're trying to, you know, defy, defy it by definition or like try to find a way to like overbreak it down. That's the part that I like the most about the lover's card in, in all of this is that this love we're talking about isn't just the romantic love, but this mm -hmm. like universal love that you mm -hmm. need to have a, an understanding of not just within your partner, and but within yourself that this angel already knows about, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, that's all I want to interrupt you with because what you just said just like brought back to something I wanted to talk about earlier where you're right, even if those who are, and we talked about it with Christ consciousness too, we talked about with Christ and self understood this magnitude of, of this idea of true love from mm -hmm. the universe is that even if people don't understand what he was preaching or what he was doing, or if he was, you know, just not, you know, meeting all his followers to where they wanted him to go, he knew better you yeah. know, where that love is actually coming from. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's why behind Raphael, we have the sun, which right. represents that true life force that does not consume where the cube, the demiurge, that consumes, that mm. drains, that actually you're a host for it and it pulls wow. energy from you. Yeah. Um, and this is what we're going to kind of get into with the signification of the number of this card because connecting to this universal life force, you will feel resistance from the cube. Um, you know, the cube is, and we'll kind of look into like the representation of the cube, but. The cube is a unique process, this this matrix that we find ourselves in. And the number six here being kind of represented is, you know, the first five cards, we really saw like, you know, the five senses. And now it's like the application and the dance of this like spiritual awareness. But within the cube, there is there is re extra resistance that comes when you try to rise above the cube. And there's mm -hmm. going to be extra resistance when you try to help other people escape the cube and rise above the matrix and become their own chess masters because it needs to kind of like take your energy. Um, and we really have to kind of get connected. And there's a peaceness that kind of comes to us that allows for us to withstand that resistance and have perseverance from the cube because the cube will reward you with materialistic things if you stay with just the motion of life. Mm. You know, it will, if you just like surrender to the spiritual, we can see materialistic gains that come from that, you know, because once you start living a spiritual life, it's, it's harder for you to take advantage of other people. You know, like, um, not just like pointing out as like somebody, but like a CEO of a company by having, you know, engaging in slave labor of like individuals in North Korea or China, he has a benefit to his end of, or they have a benefit to the end of their overall worth because right. they're not paying that person their, their actual wage that they should be paying. So there's like benefits you can have when you kind of sacrifice this connection to that universal life force and just live with the motion of life. But there's a, there's a deeper connection that kind of happens with the meaning. And we have to kind of be aware of connecting to this universal life force and finding peace with that. You know, we don't really honor our prophets. We straight nailed Jesus to a cross like, even if Jesus wasn't a real figure, the symbolism of what that represented, we nailed that idea to a cross. And, you know, when you are crucified, you don't die from the nails going into your hands. You literally die by your ribs collapsing onto your stomach and you suffocate to death. It's not a peaceful way to go. And so it kind of talks about, like, the idea of 
connecting to this understanding of the bigger role here and and being able to take the resistance mm-hmm. when we try to go through this process of illumination and the extra kind of responsibilities and awareness that kind of comes from that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, this this whole card alludes to this duality that we've, you know, been trying to allude to with, you know, its representation within the uh, idea of Gemini as well that you talked about in the beginning. And I think having that understanding of these values and the value system that is, you know, put in place here with what you're talking about in regards to spirituality and not being able to take advantage of individuals once you would live a spiritual path, but having an understanding of this, of this duality that we talked about, whether it be from the male component, the female component, and both of them coming together to, you know, create the super conscious, um, you know, is, is not just significant, but I think that, you know, we definitely need to consider what that duality really represents, you know, the dual forces that bring together these two parts. Um, so, so it does make sense, I yeah, guess is what I'm saying. Absolutely. You know, and this is a great representation that, again, that universal, those cosmic parents, the cosmic parents never left you because they are you. Right. You are the true emanation of the evolution of consciousness. And so this is, again, why we hear the story of the bastard, which we went through the Zodiac. It's that realization that these universal life force energies never forgot about you. You forgot about them, and this is the path to get reconnected mm. to our cosmic parents. And this is such an this is such an important process that we all need to go through to gain a proper relationship with the universal, like, company that did actually create us, which is our universal life father and a universal life force mother, um, and that they never left us, you know, and we've spoke about that before, but that's such a great process as we, you know, kind of look into this, but, you know, this, this number six and the number with the cube, this is a really important thing and a great exercise to think about with the cube, with the matrix, you only see three sides of the cube when you look at it. There's always three hidden sides of the cube mm. that you can't put your conscious awareness on. And this is a really important process for us to understand of like what we're trying to do here. Because what we're really kind of trying to do is imagine like a cube, like almost like a Rubik's cube that you can move around mm-hmm. and you're holding it in your hands. You're only gonna see like three sides of that cube at one point. Well, what we're asked to do here is to take our left hand and go right and our right hand to go left. And when you do that, you actually create an eight-pointed star. So now you can actually see all aspects of the cube. You not only see the effect of the cube, what you're looking at, but you can also see the causal factor behind it. Hmm. This is what the eight-pointed star actually represents. It's one of the deepest esoteric symbols. And that's taking the cube and shifting it. So you can see not only the light of the cube, but you can see the darkness in the womb of the experience. So you see the effect and you see the cause. And that's what we're really kind of starting to do here. It's utilizing that so we can understand that duality, understand cause and effect. Mm -hmm. We're starting to see these hermetic principles come in, but now we're starting to learn the actual application and how we dance with them. And this is going to be a process of breaking down the the eight-pointed star is something we'll explore on the podcast, but truly it's going to be something that we really um, investigate on through like membership videos. Because when we look at the sacred geometry of it, it's it's easier to do with visuals um, and kind of like really point this. But this is what the eight-pointed star represents. And it truly is one of the deepest, still occulted esoteric symbols in the world. Um, you know, we've really kind of helped express like, through all esoteric teachers, the five-pointed star, the six-pointed star. Well, the eight-pointed star is actually how we become a chess master of the cube and how we actually see the causal factors and not just live as a result, right. but you know, become a little bit more proactive because we can see the seed of the creation. We see the yin-yang. We see not only the, the yang, which is the light, which right. is the illumination, but we see the yin, which is the void, which is really the source of God, you know? And that's a process that we're going to kind of look into. You don't find God just in the light. It's truly in the void and the darkness. Um, 
And this is, again, why we have to explore both sides of the coin. And there's not just one path to choose. It's not just the left path, and it's not just the right path. It's right down the middle. And we actually see that in the lover's card as that mountain that's getting created. Yeah. You know, that balance. It's, you know, in spirituality, we this isn't just about escaping from the cube. It's about learning this, utilizing this as a construct of experience to learn the soul's lessons that were supposed to be presented here. It's it's not just one side or the other. And that's that's something that like needs to kind of be explored. And that's again why, you know, esoteric and occult studies of like alchemy are so beneficial. Um, maybe in regards to like some of and again, there's some amazing new age movements, but there is a lot of new age movements that are too passive. They're too right side dominant, you know? Um you you can use like, you know, spiritual medicines to connect to this, but you also need to do active work. You're not just going to find yourself by ayahuasca ceremonies. Mm -hmm. You have to bring it down to the five sense reality. And, you know, we kind of have this escapism pass. You know, we have this idea of not looking at the dark side of consciousness. Well, if you don't understand the dark, it's just going to keep operating. You have to go down to the belly of the beast to incorporate it and, you know, really have that healing. Just like you have to explore the dark sides of yourself, you do kind of have to investigate the dark sides of the collective consciousness. And there is a lot of resistance to this. And, you know, we get a lot of kickback of that when we, you know, and again, we, 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 and I, and I kind of spoke about this on, you know, recent membership videos, you know, there has been statements I've made in the past where I've kind of like, you know, poked fun at certain people and it's not my process to judge. I'm not the judge. Like, I'm not here to judge. That's the universal life force, you know? Um, so I really shouldn't make statements about, you know, like certain politicians and statements like that. But it there is a there is a benefit to exploring, you know, that the the expression of, you know, when we hide spirit from us and what the effect is. And then we can see the role that when we connect to spirit and what the effect is. And we all have to kind of go through that process. And so again, it's a blending. You know? Yeah. Well, dude, I congratulate you in what you just said. And the reason I say that is because you talk about the blend. You talk about the balance. You talk about the duality. We talk about the middle road, which is my favorite thing that we've uncovered through the Tarot is always coming back to that middle path. But you making that statement is that middle path. It's like, I don't see you that way. I love you for who you are, but mm -hmm. I love you because of the blend of things that you bring to the conversation even when we're not recording is that you're not the representation of maybe making fun of that politician you're like no this is just something that doesn't align with what i feel but i'm also gonna like explore that and it's not everything you are it's not like i only mm -hmm. know you from that one point of view regarding the opposition that you don't agree with but it's more rather a blend and i think as people get to know you or us through this podcast they'll know that it's always a blend of the two and having to exercise that duality is more difficult than i think people want to believe i think everybody mm -hmm. thinks like of course you know we have two arms you have two legs we have two ears you have two eyes there's a lot of these things where you're like you need these these pairs to always kind of like keep mm -hmm. the balance and keep us centered but when it comes to the conscious and the, and the unconscious or the subconscious rather it's it's a difficult process because you can align yourself to a set of guidelines and codes that are also empty without the other uh, values that need to be explored to make mm -hmm. it harmonious and to make you elevate yourself to that super conscious where you kind of see it all for what it is with all love, mm -hmm. not necessarily just like an empty um, feeling for what you don't agree with. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's okay if you don't agree with it, but it doesn't have to be such a black and white situation here. There is a gray matter that does exist within all of us that helps us see everything through the way I think the um, super conscious, or at least in, in the eyes of like the OG, the original generator agrees to, where it kind of speaks to you where it's like, this is what it is. It's kind of hard to define, but it is this blend mm -hmm. and you making peace with that idea is where you find this ultimate power and reward of true love where you're like, Oh, sure. this is what it really means. You know what I mean? I think that's, what's interesting about the lover's card itself. It's like, it's kind of showing you that kind of love yeah. rather than this romantic love that we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love that you brought that up. We, you know, we've got, we've got two ears, we've got two eyes, two nostrils, two sets of teeth. We have one heart. 
Right. You know, and that's what it, we're connecting to. It's that oneness of the heart, which is the ultimate guide, you know, and unifying the brain to make it a whole aspect to actually, you know, how do we activate that neocortex? Is mm. It's by that combination of both hemispheres of the brain and the blending of the two. And we have to break up the universe into its separate parts, understand it to see the dance, to make that dance blend together. You know, we need to understand the role of the two feet as it's kind of going through this, you know? And so we have to understand this. We do have to break it down into parts, but ultimately it's to kind of unify and again, find that ultimate guide, Mm -hmm. which is the heart, which is the representation of Raphael. And that's why it's got the, you know, that's why he's actually draped with the color purple, which is the color of royalty. Right. Um, And not just because like royalty, because they kind of like hijacked that, but it's, it's a color because... You, it's only a special occurrence when you see purple in nature. Mm. It's a unique kind of thing. And everything that is represented by purple in nature usually has like a, a unique medicinal benefit. It's It's got, it's some kind of luxury is tied to it, yeah. you know? Um, it's not a common color that we see, um, but it's, it's to show that like there is that, you know, purity and beauty that's behind it. And so again, you know, utilizing that, that life force energy. And again, this purifying life force energy of the spirit is also what purifies us. And it breaks the barriers that we put in, which are the blocks that restrict our internal expression of the wholeness that we already all are. You know, utilizing this fire of spirit to break down our, you know, our indoctrination, Mm. our negative Mm -hmm. self-sabotaging thoughts and emotional patterns to allow this universal life force to allow us to accept of the perfection that was our birthright, you know, and that's what we do with the, the raising of this up the Kundalini and really understand the wisdom that was carried with that serpent, you know, and taking that serpent and becoming that dragon, you know, becoming that eagle. And that's what that whole process is. And, you know, really understanding this role of ourselves in our Apple iPods. You know, it's not about the pod that's payable on death. It's about the eye and that universal eye that's connected to both of us. And so, and that we're all connected to, Absolutely. which is also that representation of the sun, which is that third eye illuminating through. Right. Man, well said, dude. I didn't even think we were going to go like, it's funny because, you know, we we look at cards, especially when we move on to the next card, um, which will be the, the chariot, you know, uh, there's so much that we're going to break down and all that. And, and I'm not even trying to conclude this yet. It's just interesting how once we come together on this idea of what these archetypal representations mean for the Tarot, especially with the Rider Way card, there's so many little details that we want to like pick apart. But really in this card, there's sort of macros that are blended together. Mm-hmm. They can be broken apart as you were talking about earlier, but here, I think what we've done in this discussion is very much representative of what the card actually is trying to allude to, which is there is a lot going on, but the blending of it all um, from the bottom to the top is the ultimate goal of what we're trying to reach mm-hmm. with the understanding of the ultimate love and where it's coming from in this lover's card. And so it's pretty cool how it kind of just lend itself that way. And that's what I love about the Tarot. Absolutely, man. And it always is. It opens up new new expressions every time. It's it's the book of eternal information. And you know, the last thing we want to touch on because we've always looked at it is again it's it's labeled the sixth card, but it's actually the seventh card. Right. This true. How do you truly create through love? Love is the only true way to create in this mm-hmm. world. And it's the only way you can create something eternal is through love. And we have to understand the unique processes and components so we can be that true, you know, white magician who surrenders and puts their life purpose to not the personal I, but the universal I. And, you know, how can I aid the evolution of consciousness? And that's what we see. And that's what we do when we really create through love. We make eternal structures that stand the test of time. Right. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Oh, I love it, dude. I cannot wait to uh, continue this journey. Um, you know, I know we we spoke about this earlier with um, season three coming to an end, and we have a few episodes left right before we conclude all this, but I'm really glad we were able to touch on the, on the lover's card. And of course, we have such a long way to go with the Tarot, so it'll be definitely coming into the fourth season as well. And, you know, I, I can't wait to you know, finish Pisces, but also the movies that we'll be bringing up towards the end of 
season three, and then the movies we'll be bringing into season four. So a long laundry list of things that we're going to cover right before we get into season four. Um, and so I'm just glad we got to this point right here. You know, I didn't know if we were going to do the levers card in the fourth season. So I'm excited, man. Yeah, oh, absolutely, man. And again, it's always such a blessing to share this space of conversation with yourself as well as everybody who is, you know, in this conversation with us. Absolutely. And, you know, it's again, it is such an honor to be on this journey with each and every one of you. And, you know, remember, give yourself self-love. You are doing such an amazing process. You're doing such an amazing job on this process. Um, and yeah, you've you've got the biggest fans in the world here cheering you on, and we honor Absolutely. all the support that you also give in us and cheering us on to continue this this fun little connection that we've been able to create together. Awesome, man. Well, um, again, a couple episodes left in this in season three, so can't wait to connect with all of you then. And um, I guess until next time. Until next time. Excellent, man. <laughs>